Frankie, come, come on. Frankie, come. Good boy, good boy. Sit, good boy. Down, down, good boy. And stay, stay, good boy. How about you? Can you sit down and stay for the next half hour? This is Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. Hello there, this is Devon from Canada welcoming you to the March 2020 edition of Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. We have quite an expedition ahead of us. Yes, you heard right, an expedition. So let's get going with a song called I bet we could write a song about that. I only wish I knew who the composer was. If you know, you can email me at the harness, just like a, a guide dog wears, the harness at bell, B E L L, dot net. That's the harness at bell dot net. Meantime, let's enjoy this musical selection. Albert is a blind man with a dog. The doggy is his best friend. What a dog. It travels with him everywhere. By his side, on the ground or in the air. Because he's blind. He's had the retriever ever since it was a puppy. It's a guide dog. Now Albert's on an airplane with his dog They're taking U.S. Airways A flying dog The flight's delayed two hours A restless dog That's orders from the tower Because of fog Doxy the retriever's getting bored with all the waiting She's a guide dog The flight attendant said your dog had better sit tight Or else the captain told us to throw you off this flight We can't allow a dog to run up and Said, hey, why all the fuss? If you throw them off, we'll all just take the bus. So they all took the bus to New York, 150 miles. If you're on an airline, US Air, and like Albert, if you're blind, they don't care. If your plane is sitting still in the fog, just give your dog some Benadryl. Andrea would. If he's sleeping on the floor, then everybody's happy with your guide dog. Good dog. Sleepy dog. Guide dog. Have you ever thought of climbing a mountain with your guide or service dog? Well, Lynn Merrill of Maine did. And last summer, at the convention of Guide Dog Users Incorporated, which took place in Rochester, New York, she talked about how she and her guide dog made it up the highest mountain in the state of Maine. My story begins with, oh, six years ago, um, as a old grandmother and an old student going to college full-time, 
something in me said, you should try to climb Mount Katahdin, Maine's highest peak and the uh, end of the Appalachian Trail if you're traveling northward. Um, my guide dog at the time, Libby, was only three years old and very strong, and I was getting older, and this was something I always wanted to do. So I thought, well, let me see if I can get a team together, and if it works, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So most of my friends and family said, you stupid, stupid, stupid girl. You shouldn't do that. You're too old. This, that's behind you. But uh, I got a few people who were interested, and I called Fidelco to see if maybe they would send one of their instructors with me on the hike in case it became too taxing for Libby. Because Katahdin is certainly a, a strenuous hike, to say the least. It took us three days to do it. Um, so they assigned Chris, who at the time, you were an apprentice, weren't you? Yes, at that oh. time I was an apprentice. <laughs> the stupid, stupid, stupid boy. <laughs> he said he's going to come with us. <clears throat> and I uh, also asked one of Maine's pretty notable uh, journalists who does a weekly show um, on the NBC affiliate called Bill Green's Maine. And I asked Bill Green if he would be interested in accompanying us as well, and he was, and he, he documented it. And in fact, I will play his story shortly, but it won an Edward R. Murrow Award, and it was nominated for an Emmy. So we were, we were quite proud of, of, of the product. But the most important thing is how Fidelco supported me on this adventure. I wasn't an experienced hiker. I, I was simply a grandmother who had a guide dog who wanted to accomplish a goal that she had had her entire life. And they sent to me Chris. We met for the first time the night before we left for the trek. And he, he it certainly is an experienced, a highly experienced hiker, camper, hunter, everything. And he you know, fitted my backpack to me and, and off we went on points unknown. None of us knew what we were going to experience. So I'm going to let Chris say a few words before I put the video on. Sure, thank you, Lynn. I'm Chris Eastwood, an instructor with Fidelco, and I remember... You have to get closer. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, there you go. Chris Eastwood, an instructor with Fidelco. I remember when Lynn called Fidelco to inquire about getting some assistance um, on her, her epic journey that she proposed to us, and I actually jumped at the opportunity. I thought, wow, what an exciting opportunity to... Uh, gain this incredible experience and you know it was really just that we had a blast and we learned so much on our trip together it was uh spring in northern maine so conditions were wet i think it rained two of the three days and um you know we wouldn't have it any other way so it was a great adventure and uh an experience i will never forget so before I begin the video, which is just going to be audio for you, it's not being projected anywhere, um, we left on a Friday in June, and it was Friday, June 13th. So we left on Friday the 13th under a full moon, and Mercury was in retrograde. Three nights before, there was still four feet of snow at the peak of Katahdin. So there was a lot of water for us to get through to reach the peak. Uh, 
but I'll show you, I'll let you listen to the video and then we'll say a few more words after. The Wabanaki called it Katahdin. It means highest land, greatest mountain. For most Mainers, it's more of a symbol of the state than a lobster or a lighthouse. Easy. Nice. Lynn Merrill is a Mainer through and through, and she's always wanted to climb her native state's highest peak. For me, it is a turning point. I have wanted to do this since I was a teenager, but life got in the way. And then when um, it seemed that I would be able to do it, then I lost my vision. So life once again got in the way. That's right. Lynn Merrill is blind. She's attempting to fulfill a lifelong dream with her dog Libby and an entourage that includes her son Joseph and Chris Eastwood of the Fidelco Guide Dog Foundation. What I can see through my eyes is not a great deal. I have about 10 degrees of vision in my right eye only. I have no vision in my left eye. So I guess uh, I could explain it to you as if you put um, glasses on and covered them with wax paper and then covered all of that except for 10 degrees in the lower corner. That's what I can see. But she can hear. Leave it. No. She can hear what almost oh, seems like a constant warning of her closest friend Libby, oh, a four-and-a-half-year-old German shepherd. And over that crevice. It's okay. Come on. And she can feel. She can feel the tug of Libby's harness responding to the command of a very concerned master. Is that safe? That's a puddle. Katahdin is part of Baxter State Park, land left to the people of Maine by a governor who wanted it left wild and free. It's backcountry, hardened by a hundred years of hiking. <laughs> Thank you. And the hikers have beaten down the path, and last night's heavy rain has made the trail wet. Either right or left foot. For two days, more than nine hours of climbing up, Lynn has been given guidance by Chris. On difficult pitches, her son Joseph has stood right behind to catch her should she fall. We're going to keep going left a little bit. Joe's wife Justine and friend Judy Blondin round out our band, each drawing inspiration from Lynn. But there are problems. In places, the trail is like a rushing stream. The water is chilling and slippery. And for Lynn, it's an enormous problem as it affects her hearing. Sometimes in the moving water or in big boulders, she hands off Libby's leash and grabs a bandana to be led by Chris or Joe. I think the noise blocks out a lot of what you hear. <clears throat> so I... So we used a bandana that I could still feel some of Chris's movements through. How are your feet? Wet. <laughs> and I have good boots, but that's okay. I imagine everybody's wet. Doesn't matter how waterproof your shoes are when you're... When it goes in over, yeah. That's okay. This is strange. Ah, this feels like we're going to fall through. Libby, fight away. As we work our way up the slides, the clouds seem to follow us across the valley below. Finally, we are on Katahdin's tableland, one mile from the summit. So, we're doing it, guys. Yeah. All right, what do you see? It's, it's all windy. The tableland looks easier than it is, and it features one last crown of big boulders just below the summit. 
It takes more than an hour to slowly, painstakingly navigate across it. We're going to go from saying we're doing it to we did it. (laughs) Almost hesitatingly, Lynn makes the final push and fulfills a lifelong dream. We're doing it, Libby. (laughs) Keep going. I didn't expect this to happen. I didn't expect to be like this. Libby! You can reach out to your right. We are here. Directly behind you. We're here. We're here. Congratulations, Lance. Thank you. I need a good sob. <laughs> we went from saying we're doing it to we did it. <laughs> As we reached the summit, other hikers seemed to appear out of the mist, and soon there were more than a dozen celebrating at the spot known as Baxter Peak. So what do you see from here? It's gray. Nothing. Gray all the way around. All the way around. That's the um, oh, man, irony of this. We climb Mount Katahdin and we can't see anything. We can't see anything. Welcome to my world. <laughs> here at the top, lunch is well-earned and always tastes good. It's a place where people tend to reflect on the paths of life that they have walked. If you're in that same accident and you lose your vision, yeah. they say, have a nice life. And you kind of have to figure out how do I, what are my resources to have a nice life? Um, there are resources out there through the Division for the Blind and Visually Impaired with the state, but it's not, uh, it's not what you would expect when you, have, when you lose a significant life function like that. But so many skills you just have to develop on your own and develop your courage on your own and realize that you can do anything. Lynn says she wants to be thought of not as blind, but competent and confident. Her climb of Katahdin helps prove that, and because of her use of touch and hearing, it is fair to say that Lynn Merrill saw more from the top of Katahdin than anyone else. Yeah, so going down was worse. And I, I have to say, there was no, there were no walking down. Um, there was one head wall, I guess I would call it. And I was clinging to that like a monkey clings to a tree. I had four points of contact. And oftentimes, if I tried to reach 
you know, Chris was beneath me, my son was above me, and Chris would say, okay, take your right hand and reach over six inches and down about four inches, there's a rock there. And I would reach for it and it would come out. So we'd have to find something else. And all the while, Chris's voice, Chris, say it so they can hear your voice. Say, always keep three points. Yeah, you always want to keep those three points of contact, right, Lynn? I heard that a thousand times coming down that head wall. And it must have taken us two and a half hours to at least. Oh, Mike. Oh. It, it must have taken us at least two and a half hours to come down that head wall alone. And I know. At one point, I was hyperventilating because I suddenly realized there was nothing around me, nothing up, nothing out, nothing beneath me, except Chris beneath me and my son above me. But uh, we made it. It was, it was grueling, but it was three days, and we reached the peak, and we made it back safely, which, of course, was our goal. Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. There was um, definitely some precarious stretches of the trail. Coming down was a bit more challenging. You had gravity pulling you down. Um, the path was submerged under four to eight inches of water most of the time. So you're kind of walking through a creek and there were some vertical descents as well, which obviously proposed unique challenges when you're working with the dog in, in the situation as well. So we had some ropes involved and we lowered her down. But um, it was a blast. You know, I had a great time, and I'd like to take a moment to thank Lynn for the opportunity to have that kind of an experience. <laughs> it was um, just an incredible time. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Thank you. And so more I would like to say about our relationship with our guide dog schools. Obviously, Fidelka went above and beyond in providing an instructor for three days on a journey like that. And um, beyond that, I have had some illnesses that I've had to deal with, um, sometimes asking Fidelco to take my guide for four or six or seven weeks. And even most recently, they had Grayson for me for six months while I was recovering from a surgery. And they are so supportive uh, and so encouraging. And it is, it is so nice to know that your school is behind you no matter what it is that you embark on, whether it's just getting to work each day or fulfilling those dreams. Absolutely. And at Fidelco, of course, we do provide follow-up support for the entire working career of the dog, but it's so much more than that. We build these incredible relationships with our graduates that last a lifetime. And for me, that's, uh, that's really my favorite part about this position is I get to create these relationships with so many special individuals that have really changed my life. Now there is one brave lady. Hats off to Lynn and her guide dog, too. Thanks so much to Guide Dog Users Incorporated for allowing us to share that with you. Are you wondering what Guide Dog Training Centers have to say about COVID-19? We have three statements to share with you, and the first is from the CNI in Morristown, New Jersey. 
These are difficult times, but the CNI is still here. We never stop functioning in entirety. We have more than 200 dogs on campus still being cared for by our kennel, veterinary, and training staff. So as soon as this pandemic is over, we will be able and eager to serve the next class of incoming students. Our breeding station is still functioning with extra precautions, and as a biological barrier facility, it is already designed, equipped, and procedurally as safe a facility as possible for continued breeding of dogs. With utmost caution and minimal contact procedures, puppies are still being delivered to their puppy-raising families so that we will have dogs in homes where they can begin their socialization and journey to becoming future CNI dogs. Thanks to terrific efforts from our instruction and training and admissions teams and the hard work of our students, we were able to graduate our March 2nd class a little early and have no students on campus at this time. What are we doing? Admissions is still processing applications and you can still apply as a new student or replacing graduate. Training managers are monitoring calls from their homes and our administrative staff is either in the office or working from home. What are we not doing? Traveling, gathering for meetings, having donor events, allowing visitors to our campus, or anything that would risk our staff's exposure to COVID-19. Like you, we must do everything we can do to lower the curve. What can you do? Wash your hands, keep away from others, and if possible, stay home. Remember that, to date, there is no evidence that dogs or other pets can be affected by COVID-19. However, they, like anything else, can carry the virus if an infected person coughs or sneezes on them. Now more than ever, it's important to not let people pet your seeing eye dog. In addition, you should always have a designated backup caregiver for your seeing eye dog should you need to be hospitalized. The Centers for Disease Control recommends that you tell your public health point of contact about your seeing eye dog and other pets that you have in your home and the arrangements you have made for their care. We are here for you and appreciate your understanding and patience. Thank you. Dave Johnson, Director, Instruction and Training. The next message is from Guide Dogs for the Blind in San Rafael, California. As the coronavirus COVID-19 continues to spread around the world, we have a heightened awareness at Guide Dogs for the Blind of our responsibility to our employees, clients, volunteers, and communities during this important time. Each one of us has a role to play in preparing ourselves and our families for potential disruptions and upholding our civic duty to help prevent further outbreaks. If we each do our part, we can help lessen the risk for everyone. While this is a developing situation, effective immediately, GDB is implementing initial safety safety precautions for the next four months. What does this mean for you? Bullet all routine client follow-up visits are suspended for the next four months. If you currently have a follow-up visit scheduled, your field service manager or other member of the client services team will be contacting you to provide support telephonically. Bullet travel from our campuses and slasher field locations will be conducted for the purposes of client and slasher dog safety only. Bullet support center staff and your field service manager remain available for telephonic support. Bullet, we plan to continue to hold class trainings, but with some additional measures. If you have a class training date scheduled within the next four months, a member of our nursing or admissions team will be contacting you for further discussion. Can my dog contract COVID-19? We understand that you may have questions about whether or not your guide dog can be impacted by COVID-19. 
Following is a message from our veterinary medical director, Dr. Kate Kazminsky, DVM, on the subject. As you may know, dogs and cats do get coronaviruses which cause short-lived respiratory and gastrointestinal signs. To be clear, the COVID-19 strain we are now seeing in people is not the same strain. According to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, no animals in the United States have been identified with the virus, and there is no evidence that dogs or other pets can contract or spread COVID-19. At this time, experts have not expressed concern about transmission to or from animals and many health organizations have indicated that pets and other domestic animals are not considered at risk for contracting or spreading COVID-19. Since animals can spread other diseases to people, appropriate hand washing is always recommended when handling animals. Because the state of the coronavirus is changing every day, GDB's executive leadership team will be monitoring the situation and, if needed, will update our approach as information becomes available from the World Health Organization, Centers for Disease Control and local authorities. In the meantime, thank you for supporting the safety and well-being of everyone in the GDB community. Please contact the GDB Support Center if you have any questions at 800-295-4050 or by email at link graduatesupport.guidedogs.com with care lauren kenny director of client services and finally we have a message from canadian guide dogs for the blind in manatic ontario COVID-19 cross-contamination from dogs. With concerns of the spread of COVID-19, we have consulted with an infectious disease specialist on what our clients and puppy walkers can do to help prevent cross-contamination through their dogs. As always, the general public should not be touching your dog. To help prevent indirect contamination, your dog is not much different than your clothing or any other random contact site. You may use any wipe that is safe for people's skin on your dog. However, please avoid their eyes and nostrils. We wish you and your dog good health. I'd love to hear what training centers outside North America are advising their graduates. Hopefully, you'll email me and let me know, and I can share the responses perhaps through some uh, email lists. I'm sure everybody else would be very interested to hear as well. In the meantime, have a wonderful spring if you're in the northern hemisphere, and perhaps a cooler fall in the southern hemisphere so that some of those wildfires can be squelched. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll find our way out of here with a little ditty that I came up with on a synthesizer using the fiddle stop. I combined a number of songs about dogs and dedicated it to my third dog, Vester, and called it the Puppy Dog Rump. Do take good care of yourselves. Stay safe and be well. And join us again on Friday, April 17th. Bye for now.
On the second Friday of every month at 17.30 UTC, one of our presenters will bring you something special. Presenter's Choice. Each of us here on the Global Voice take turns, giving it our own personal touch. So we hope you'll drop by and give it a listen. That's Presenter's Choice on the second Friday of every month at 17.30 UTC, only on the Global Voice. Check the program schedule for repeats.